it's proof that my husband and I were watching way too much America's Got Talent because I woke up in the dream as a Simon Cowell judge in America's Oh no. <laughs> okay. I'm really nice. I'm not like him. So yeah. But it was between me and me, myself and I, and everybody else is like their dream and reality. And so there was this young boy that woke, that walked on stage. He was a painter and he had his canvas and his art supplies and he starts to paint. And I knew, oh my gosh, like you're not going to be successful here. Welcome to the Meaningful Jobs Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to welcome Stephanie Fager, um, who is the CEO of um, Empower PR and is a book marketing strategist um, and has been involved in PR and publishing for the majority of her life. So, you know, how are you, Stephanie? Hope you're well. Hi, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, I'm really excited um, for our interview because, um, you know, just before we started, um, this interview you talked a lot about um, your passion in book marketing and how you think um, it's something that a lot of um, authors can relearn about so can you yeah. tell us how you got into um, book marketing and maybe a little bit about your career as well yeah absolutely you know I found in working with authors that there's like a couple of camps that authors you know live in uh, you have the authors who had this bucket list idea to publish a book and their whole life they dreamt of it and then you have these authors where the book found them not they found the book kind of journey and so yeah. It would be, it's interesting that I work in the industry because I didn't grow up really with the plan to write a book, but yeah. um, you have plans and life has others. And through a very fun journey, I found myself um, with a book in hand. And, you know, prior to that, I went to college and graduated with a, a degree and a focus in PR, communications and marketing. Mm -hmm. I kind of laugh at that now because this is going to show my age. So don't judge, <laughs> uh, but there was only one class in PR and there was only one class in marketing. And I had, I, I majored in communication. So what my entire career is based off of was a new industry that wasn't around when I was in college, really. And so I graduated, worked in nonprofit and agency and moved up the corporate ladder. The last 10 years uh, of my corporate world, I worked in a, a large national nonprofit running their fundraising initiatives around marketing. And and from the outside, it looked um, like I had achieved success. It's what I, I was I was told success was, but I would tell my husband regularly, like, if this is success, if this is what like a, a successful career is, I don't know that I want it. Like, this <laughs> is not what I thought it was. Through a weird situation, uh, I literally had a dream, a, a, phys a physical dream, not like an aspirational dream. I woke wow. up with a dream. I dream one day um, with a new charge on how to see the world. And well, did, I, your, did your soul like just come out of your body or what happened? It was insane. Well, okay. Do you want me to tell you the dream? Cause it's kind of silly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you'll appreciate this. I think I love silly stories. It's fine. Okay. Here's a silly <laughs> one. So I, it's proof that my husband and I were watching way too much America's got talent because I woke up in the dream as a Simon Cowell judge. In America's oh no. <laughs> okay. I'm really nice. I'm not like him. So yeah. It was between me and me, myself and I, and everybody else is like their dream and reality. And so there was this young boy that woke, that walked on stage. He was a painter and he had his canvas and his 
art supplies and he starts to paint and I knew, oh my gosh, like you're not going to be successful here. And I had to tell him that like in this dream, I had to tell him that, that this was the end. And so have you seen America's Got Talent or some of those reality yeah, shows? I, I'm really? maybe not okay. as big a fan as you, but I know what the well, format is. I'm not anymore. This is like years. This <laughs> After the dream. <laughs> After the dream. Okay. Uh, but usually when people get bad news on a show like that, they either, you know, cry or cuss you out. There's like no in between. But this kid took his canvas, turned around and gifted it to me and said with a big smile, that's okay. I just want you to go color something pretty today. And I woke up. And wow. all day I kept thinking, I don't know why this dream stuck with me. I don't know why I couldn't shake it, but I was trying to analyze all the aspects of it. Anyways, I landed with realizing it's not about me, the judge. Uh, the dream was really a gift for me to see life through the lens of this young boy. And that was, you are going to be told in life, no, you're going to come across hurdles and people that try to stop you, but it's not, it's not, if that's going to happen, it will. It's what do you do when that happens? And I realized he could have stopped and said, well, man, that was, that was fun to try to be an artist. I guess I won't do anymore. But if this kid was like a real human and not a figment of my imagination, I suspect that he would be like a Mozart or, you know, somebody doing really awesome things because he didn't see no as like a hurdle. He saw it as an opportunity to learn. And he challenged me to look at that differently too. So Color Today Pretty became a part of how I saw the world and how I saw my moments, how I started to evaluate um, how, how I could react and respond to the situations I found in life. And unexpectedly, I started to capture some of these moments just for myself. Uh, after a friend of mine challenged me to blog, I started blogging about some of these little moments of how to see the world through the lens of possibility, even amongst challenge. Uh, before I knew it, I had a manuscript that I had written on a book that I didn't plan to write that everybody said they wanted. And um, I was impacted by a corporate layoff that really pushed me to finish this book and get it over the finish line. And uh, everybody else was really sad when the layoff happened. I'd been with the company for 10 and a half years and I was excited. I'm like, please, free <laughs> Well, you can't show that, right? Because everybody's right. sad and right. you've got to pretend to be sad as well. Yeah. They laid off like 600 people that round. Our whole wow. department on. It was pretty intense, but uh, on the other side of it, I was able to finally publish the manuscript that uh, had been kind of gifted to me. And the moment I did, my uh, book coach and publisher uh, required us to do a marketing plan. And after I promoted that or, or um, presented that to our cohort, they called me and said, how do you know how to market a book? I said, well, doesn't everybody know how to market a book? And they're like, nobody knows how to market a book. Uh, and they kept going, there's a whole group of people out there that need what you are bringing to the table. Uh, for, for several months, I was like a toddler throwing temper tantrums. I was like, no, I am not doing book marketing because, you know, my book that I had written was around, um, perspective and shifting how we see the world. It wasn't about what I went to school for. And, um, but almost like I, I've been calling it lately, it's like a tick in summer that comes out of nowhere and you can't, they won't go away. All these authors that are amazing started coming and, and I had more clients than I knew I had capacity for, and I didn't even have a business name. So wow. very quickly I had to, um, I had to, I had to make a decision on what we were going to do. And I decided to, um, to give this book marketing stuff a shot. And over the last five years, the Empower PR group has served hundreds of authors across the world. But what's been really fun is learning that book marketing is not like any marketing. And it's really 
a conduit to business growing and message sharing. So it's been fun and I so much more enjoy this job than any job I've ever done. <laughs> well, at least you found yourself a great job after all these years. Absolutely. I don't think, well, some people don't even find a good job their entire lives, right? Um, And I guess your career is pretty atypical because, you know, you <laughs> went into, um, you know, communications, yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily think of a communications um as mm. being equal to book publishing right so can you yeah. tell us how you learned this craft oh yeah it's funny you say that not everybody picks up on that so with my background in communications and pr kind of the focal point it actually has shaped everything of what we do for authors now and how i help and serve authors marketing is like the catchphrase of the day right now marketing is this mentality of like getting the word out and converting people and what have you. But really in the industry, communications, PR and marketing are very distinct. I talk about book marketing as a collective because they overlap a lot, but my background is in building relationships. And so I really focus on helping authors um, do that from the beginning and how they're pulling their manuscripts together and bringing it to life. And also when they launch and build businesses, you know, it's a lot easier to retain clients than to attract new ones. Same thing yeah. with readers. It's a lot easier to pour love into and engage the people you have than to try to find new people for your email list. There's a lot of things that if we really focus on building relationships um, and you create loyal fan base, bases of people who want to support you. And so when people come to me and go, oh, I want to talk about Amazon ads. I'm like, well, there's a place for that, but I'm not your person because mm. we have a basis of communications and PR here. Marketing is a part of it and it's what we do. But at the end of the day, I'm not looking for quick wins. The part of what we do is the long-term, long, I want the longevity for the authors we support, right? Like if you just did something quick today, um, I can't guarantee it would happen tomorrow. But if you build relationships over time, all of those seeds will come to fruition. So yeah, it's it's an interesting journey and it, and it would never have happened if I didn't publish my first book. Uh, I had the chance to work very closely with a publisher for several years. So I learned the inside. Sorry, can I just ask like how yep. you came into contact with this author because a lot of publishers I know at least in my knowledge um, would require the author to be somewhat famous or to yeah. at least have quite a lot of money um, mm -hmm. to help them publish so I'm not sure if that's a wrong perception no um, it, this, these are great questions so and it's so much I learn something new every day in the industry um, but I'm happy to break it down because the way that books come to fruition today isn't the only way or isn't the way that it used to be, which was a very siloed journey. So years ago, and, and this is what a lot of people still think, when a book comes to life, they think of a traditional publisher, meaning you have a company that says, oh my gosh, I want you to publish my book and, or, and, and I'm going to like bow down and have you do all this stuff. And I have to like beg, and I'm going to get an agent and the agent's going to help me find all these. And I'm going to get a lot of rejections. Um, but hopefully I'll get an advance. They'll pay me for something in advance. And this is the normal journey. It's the old or the, the traditional mindset of the author journey per se, but that's not the way that publishing has to happen nowadays. In fact, uh, you find less and less books leveraging or and authors leveraging that journey for a multitude and, and myriad of reasons, uh, but one of which being traditional publishers are taking less and less authors, but yet there's more and more people who have stories to come out. So uh, the publisher that I worked with actually falls in the, in the middle, which is a new form of publishing, and it's called hybrid publishing or collaborative publishing. So you have traditional hybrid 
and self-publishing. And so in the indie published world, you know, really the author maintains um, full control of the journey and beautiful things come out of indie publications. Uh, but there is a, a, a very unfair, but un I understand uh, reputation for that industry as well, especially in the nonfiction space. Um, but it's, it's changing and evolving, but the hybrid publisher process, which is who my first publisher was, they live in the middle. So they take the benefits of what a traditional publishing process looks like. So they're selective, they have high quality, they have editors, they have a full team of professionals, graphic designers, et cetera. And the benefits of self-publishing, meaning uh, you get to retain your rights, you own your intellectual property, you have depending upon the hybrid publisher, more control in the journey, um, but it comes at a cost. So instead of getting an, an advance, which is um, unfortunately nowadays less and less of what traditional publishers give, but instead of getting paid in advance, the author does the investment. So I pay, I had to invest in a publisher who had to select me um, to publish my book. And then when it got to the other side, um, then I can reap the benefits from the royalty process. So did you pay the publisher directly or do you, did you have like a yeah. middleman in between? Nope, nope. Um, in the hybrid world, I paid the publisher directly who managed the project. Now there's a fourth type of publishing you have to be careful for, careful about, and it's called vanity publishing or vanity press. There are some publishers out there and the industry can be icky, friend, like really, like it's yeah. hard to know these people if you're not if you don't know like the flags, but um, a vanity press will act like a hybrid publisher. They will um, take your investment, but they won't focus on the quality of what's going to come on the other end. And um, many times authors get taken advantage of there. So oh. you have to, it's a, it's a very delicate dance of navigating between hybrid and vanity, but some of the tips and things to look for, if you're looking for a beautiful hybrid publisher is um, you do want the publisher to be selective. You know, you don't want them to take everybody. You want to make sure that they are being selective on who aligns with their brand. Um, I think another another uh, key component of hybrid that I think is a good indicator of making sure that your book is not being going through vanity publisher is making sure that, the and, and this doesn't feel good. So most authors are going to go, no. Um, but when the royalties come out, meaning once the book's sold and people buy it, Hybrid, most hybrid publishers will take a cut of that and a very small cut, but they will. Um, vanity publishers, many of them won't. And so what you will notice is a vanity publisher says, just give me, give me the funds, invest in me, and I will just get something out for you. But a hybrid publisher, many times, this is not like um, an absolute, but many times the publisher will say, you need to invest in the process, but I'm also investing. So the publisher mm -hmm. and the author invest and the publisher and the author both win at the end. So that is also like a, a indicator or kind of a, a red, a, a beautiful um, sign that you might be, have found a beautiful hybrid publisher, but it's a, it's a challenge. My, uh, since book one came out, I have since, um, dabbled and, and continue to evolve in the indie publishing space since I know the industry and, and love it intimately. So after you published your first book, um, yeah. was it, um, a, just a brief window period where other authors noticed your book and began flocking to you or like what happened Oh, um, it, it was a happen. whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. The book came out. Um, you know, we became a Amazon bestseller very on the first day. It was wonderful. The first lots day. Of, wow. Yeah. Lots of wonderful accolades. Of course, that was due to the marketing approach I used. And I think that was probably the thing that got authors going, oh, wait, what's Stephanie doing? I want to learn. And 
I wasn't even taking clients and the publisher and book coach I was working, were working with, they kept going, Hey, you can help this person. Can you help this person? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Can I, I don't know. I don't. And, and yeah, they just kept coming. And so what well, it's I a good problem to have, I think it is a good problem to have, It is. but what I also learned, and I think it's been really helpful for me as I coach authors to become authorpreneurs and build businesses around their books is um, the most effective form of marketing is really listening. Your, your target clients, target readers, target, you know, um, prospects, they will tell you what they need and they will tell you what they will invest in. So my business, even the Empower PR group has evolved over the years um, where it began with what I thought they needed and it continues to evolve with what they thought they need. So it was like what I thought they needed, then what they thought they need and where we're at now is what I know they need. Right. And that's a difference. You know, we, I thought I didn't, hadn't, I knew what I needed. I yeah. hadn't, I wasn't quite sure what authors needed. Mm -hmm. And then when they told me what they needed, like many people will come and say, well, I, I need social media, for instance. And I say, mm. now I can say, I don't know if you do. And they're like, what? I'm like, let's come up with your marketing approach. Like social media, there's a beautiful part that social media fits in, but it may not be what you need today. Well, can and you now, share about a few techniques um, aside from social media that you advise yeah. your clients in yeah. book marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the most effective ways to successfully sell books is to lift the info from the page and bring it to the stage. Um, I'll get, use an example of what happened to me earlier this year. Um, so my first book came out in 2018 and you, you also never know who's watching and who's listening. So there was a, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, um, who, who was a part of my book journey. And I didn't know that his wife was listening and watching. I had never actually, I didn't even know that I actually had met his wife. Well, and you, you knew he had a wife, right? I knew. He, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I knew he had At a wife. I knew he had kids. <laughs> I knew his wife's name. Like we worked mm -hmm. very close together. Um, and he was, an, he was an, uh, on my team in my corporate world. So like I knew him professionally at that level, but I didn't know his wife directly because he didn't live in this area. I'd never had a reason to get to know his spouse. Uh, but she reached out to me in January about a opportunity to come share a message to her, uh, a group of, of 300 women in leadership. And I was elated. And it was interesting because she goes, um, yeah, so, you know, because I knew you wrote Color Today Pretty, uh, I thought you'd be a great fit. Now, since then, I had written, you know, two other books at that point. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you, it's a seed planting journey. Um, she shared with me what the book, uh, what the, the conference was about that she wanted me to speak at. And what she didn't know is behind the scenes, there was a book I had been writing, but I just hadn't prioritized it because other books came up, kind of bubbled up around um, emerging and aligning it through life lessons from the soil. So I, looking at, I'm a gardener, I love gardening, looking at um, the life cycle of my garden and paralleling our personal and professional life with it. Anyways, I said, you know what, I need to write that book. I'll finish that book and uh, debut it at the conference. Um, well, she said, great. As it started to evolve, the next thing I knew is not only was there um, she investing in having me come and travel to be at her location, but I sold 300 copies of the book before it came out. Uh, they bought copies and they you know, gave it to all attendees and it was a glorious journey. So one of the, one of the most successful ways I see authors actually sell books is by realizing 
there's a group of people who want to read it and live with it and like hug it and let that <laughs> information change their lives. And then there's a group of people who want to hear it and want to learn it from you. And the book is an additional value add. If you are comfortable on stages and bringing, lifting the message out of the book onto a stage. Many times um, conferences, meeting planners, organizations, they will actually invest in um, having books as gifts for attendees. So I see authors doing custom editions, bulk book sales, selling thousands at a time of books. That is to me what I call a one-to-many approach. When you focus on a uh, one-to-one approach, it takes a lot longer to sell a book, but a one-to-many is where you're your target readers or your target clients, how can you get in front of them? Speaking is just one way. There's other ways. And when you do, how can you focus on large book sales? Because that will help you reach more people, which in theory is really the goal of an author. Wow. I think that's, that's a ton of information that our <laughs> listeners would really like. And I hope you didn't spill out your secret sauce. No. Um, you still know what a lot to learn, right? Sauce? Here's yeah. what I learned about secret sauce. I tell I tell my clients all the time, um, don't hold anything back because what you think is your most innovative strategy, uh, when you share it and you give value, something crazy happens. Another <laughs> innovative strategy approaches. So I never, you know, I never feel like there's um, something I have to hide because I truly am excited and 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 know that if I can serve and help somebody, that um, more opportunities. Well, will so come. basically, you get more sauce by sharing your sauce. That's you what you're it. saying. You got it. Well, I it's need like to learn the, from you in this respect. I mean, it's <laughs> not that I hide a lot. <laughs> yeah, don't hold back. Um, share. And actually, you know, authors get nervous about trying to share, like they want to save their favorite part of the book to the end, or they don't want to tell anybody about it or whatever. And I'm like, share it. When you share, then you're building trust and credibility. And when you do that, people then will um, deepen their relationship with you. They will be excited and ready to invest in you. And what when you give, you get. I mean, you know, and I think that's the basis of what the law of attraction and abundance. Like I see that working every single day in authorship and, and authorpreneurship and book marketing. So um, I don't think I asked you, but like, how did you become so passionate about writing books and what would you say is the Good meaning question. behind just earning money from books well there's um there's two types of genres that i write um i found when i was in the depths of uh corporate burnout and pregnancy insomnia i think with we have three kids now but i think it was with our second that um, I found solace in writing. I would wake up in the middle of the night, not because I wanted to, but because the baby made me. And I would put my hands on the keyboard and close my eyes and just like process life. Um, you know, uh, I call it divine, divine inspiration, you know, a divine writer in the sense that like, it would just kind of come, uh, and flow. And that became a part of just how I see the world. I had a client once tell me, uh, Stephanie, when I don't see you blogging or writing or sharing, I know something's wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, I know that there's like a, um, there's like a, something stuck in your life. You, you know, he's observed without me telling him that writing has just become a catharsis. Um, but the other side of my writing, so I write Christian memoir, a lot of that, you know, really reflective, uh, memoir, but the other part of me is the business book side now. So my first business book came out, uh, about a year ago, it's called make your author impact, which really helps authors write a marketable book, uh, and sell books and such. And then I have my second business book coming out later this year. And I didn't never expected to write that, but I am really passionate about this convergence because I know now that authors and, and whether you have published a book or not, 
you know, I'm, I'm really talking about thought leaders, like people out there that are passionate about a message that the world needs, like change can happen because of books. Like, I don't want them to not take action. It's a very immobilizing, overwhelming journey. And I am very passionate about helping them get through it. And it's funny you ask this question. I've actually noodled on this. And this is why I think I feel this way. Um, I was reading a book. I have to tell you a story to help articulate it. I, I am a big fan of Jodi Pico. She's one of my favorite uh, fiction authors. She writes about social issues and puts it through a lens of like, current life and um, helps people process big things through beautiful stories. And I'm a big fan of anything she writes. So I was at a bookstore and there was a book cover of a book of hers that looked like my book cover from Color Today Pretty. So I bought it. But the topic was on a very controversial topic for me and one that I don't know that I was very open-minded to, right? Mm -hmm. um, Jody makes me a better person every time I read her books. That's but great. I'm like, you know, I trust Jody. So I don't know that I would have picked this book up. It's uncomfortable for me to, to discuss it and to think about it, but I trust her. I read this book. I couldn't put it down. And then I emailed Jody, which I rarely do. I rarely email authors and other, unless I'm working with them. I don't know why, I guess, cause I have like, you know, celebrity, like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's I, understandable. I think. Right. Right. But I emailed her and I said, Jody, I need you to know that the story. And I told her I wouldn't have picked up your book. Da, da, da. I walked away with the same feelings I had before. However, I'm still very open-minded now. Um, and I can see the world in many ways. And I wanted to thank her for that. So she responded and it made my day. But what I learned in that process is that books build bridges and break down walls. We live in a world where more walls are made every day. Bricks and, and heavy mortar is, are, is set up. Um, we are connected, but we are so disconnected. We are polarizing. Um, the, it's just not a fun place at times. But what books allow, and this is probably why I'm so passionate, it allows the opportunity for an individual on their time in their own space, at their own capacity, in their own pace, to to invite somebody else's story into their life, even if they don't, even if they don't understand it and in their own time, determine their thoughts around it. It's, it's a, it's a place where we can share something that maybe we couldn't share in an, in a face-to-face -face without a major d disagreement or argument, but a book when a reader reads a book, a reader is getting a glimpse into the life of somebody else and our guards are down both from the yeah. writer, the author and the reader. So I see time and time again, that when we read that we are shaking and breaking these, these walls and we're bridging in conversation. Um, we're bridging in discussions. I mean, there's an author I helped this year who was born um, missing an arm, missing or part of her arm. And I'll never forget when I read her book, I told her, I was able then to ask her some questions of what it was like to grow up hiding. That's what she yeah. discussed, how she would hide her um, physical difference. And because she wrote this book about it, I was comfortable asking questions to help me better uh, engage with people in my world that I come across that might not look and speak and act and engage the way that I do. Right. And that's what yeah. books do. That's what books do. It allows us to learn in a safe place. So that's, I think probably why I'm so passionate about it. Well, um, yeah, I think it's a really inspirational kind of angle to think about book writing because it's not something that I thought a lot about, you know, um, maybe, how authors and it read and it and his or her readers can be that develop a better relationship 
that otherwise wouldn't have happened in this day and age. So, so um, I have to tell you, my when my first book came out, uh, I got a text in the middle of the night from a woman or a Facebook message in the middle of the night from a woman who um, lived in my area, but I didn't know. And this is when I really started to see the power of books. She had shared with me that she had been in a car wreck, that she had um, um, been dealing with some therapy. She was a single um, parent uh, with a job that was... Um, you know, uh, income-based, it was just a, a hard situation, but she was dealing with a lot of anxiety and having panic attacks. And that night she had had a panic attack and was crawling into her closet with her Kindle. And my book was the book that was on, mm. um, the, the next one up. And she said within 15 minutes, she was able to breathe again. And she literally said, Stephanie, your book saved me. And I go, no, like there's no way, right? Like, no, that's not true, but how grateful I am for the ability to have written down how I process the world. And at least I knew that one person was changed by it. Like that's, that's pretty game changing. Yeah. I think a lot of the times um, when we do something, we don't know how much of a positive impact it will make until we actually do that thing that right. might be holding us back. So, right. Um, well, Stephanie, it's um, you know been great talking to you. I wish we had more time, but um, I think that's all we got today. But hope to invite you to my podcast again in the future. I would love that. I would love that. Thank you.